January the 24th, 2014. I'm driving my wife's little sports car on a uh, snow-covered streets of Harrisburg because my car wouldn't start that morning. We had just had a, a huge snowstorm just a couple days before, and I haven't been in my car. And so I, I'm driving through a part of town. I told her that you should probably never drive through there, but it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, what do I have to, to really fear at that time? And just as I'm going through an intersection on a two-lane street in downtown Harrisburg there, a car comes through a red light, power sliding around right in front of me. And I like hit my horn and I'm now going sideways because I have to avoid this person. I mean, I guess hitting the horn is about as close to cussing as I come as a pastor. I can't believe this guy. And he, he, he comes around and he, he guns it. And he starts to pass the car that's right in front of him. And I'm thinking, this guy must be really, really in a hurry. Turns out he was in a hurry. He's in a hurry to get to the car that he's passing. Now, as he starts to pass the car, everything is sort of backed up on both sides. As he pulls up next to that car, the driver's side window comes down. And the next thing I see is an arm come out. shooting two guys in the car right next to him there. There's nowhere for him to go. The only thing he can do is to, to come back towards me. So the driver throws on the reverse lights, and I see the gunman. He comes around in the thing, and he points the gun directly at me to get out of the way. The only thing I can see is there's a, a little alley off to my left. And so I gun it and I, I go into the alley hoping that I'm never going to see these guys again. But then I look up into the rearview mirror and here they come down the alley. And so I, I turn off onto a street and I look up and they've turned onto that same street. So now I start to go faster and faster and, and faster, and every time I make a turn, they're making the turn, and now I realize that they're chasing me. They are coming after me. I've witnessed them shoot these two guys, and so I, I'm going as fast as I possibly can. Again, it's, it's these snow-covered streets. We're now in, in parts of town that the snow plows hadn't gotten to yet. And I'm going 50, 60, 70 miles per hour on these streets that should only be 25 miles per hour. I keep making turns, and they keep making the same turns. There's a couple times I'm, I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure I'm not going down the right way of a one-way street right now. But I don't care. I'm trying to get away from these guys. So I keep making turns, I keep making turns, and, and finally I, I make a right-hand turn, I, I go down a hill, and then I'm going up another hill as I see that they're just making the turn at the bottom of the hill. And as I get to the top of the hill there, there's only one way I can go, and, and that is to make a left-hand turn, unless I go into the parking lot of an apartment complex. 
And really quickly, I, I spot that there's a, a big rider moving truck that's there, and there's an empty parking spot right on the other side of it. And I think, you know what, I, I could real quickly dart in behind there and just hide. And so that's what I do. And I shut off the car, and I quickly just sort of get down. And I wait. It was only probably about five minutes, but it seems like it's an eternity as I'm just cowering. Finally, I, I know that I need to get my, my phone out, and I need to call 911, but my hands are they're, they're shaking so bad, and I, I can't even figure out how do you dial 911. Finally, I, I figure it out. I have no idea where I'm at. Again, I'm in a part of town that I've never been before. I described to the police made this turn, and I made this turn, and I did this, and I did this, and by now, they had already gotten reports of the, the shooting, so they know that I'm in danger. I keep giving descriptions, and they're like, can you see anything? And I'm like peeking up, and I'm looking around, and I'm just telling them what I see. Finally, they say, we think we know where you're at. Finally, the police officer, he, he finds me. And the first thing he asks is, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Nothing, nothing wrong with me. Now, I won't get into all the details of what happened after that, but that same question keeps getting asked over and over and over again. I eventually call my wife, Lisa, and I tell her what's going on, and she says, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. There's, there's nothing wrong get downtown, and the detectives, they ask me, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Nothing wrong with me. Over the course of the next couple days, family members and friends and, and church members, they would ask that same question, Gilbert, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. There's nothing wrong. Turned out, there was something wrong. I didn't discover it until that first Sunday morning afterwards. As Exponential, we were still meeting just up the road from here in the, the Regal Cinemas. And that meant that every Sunday we had to set everything up, and then afterwards we had to tear everything down. And so it was set up and tear down every single week, set up and tear down. And so everybody sort of pitched in to, to make that happen. And so our band, they would come in, and they would get everything set up that they needed to do, and I would be plugging in lights and setting things up and running wires and everything. And, and George, who's still our drummer, you saw him here today, he had just gotten his drum set all set up. And he sets down right as I'm in front of the drum set, getting some lights like we have now that would shine up onto the drum set. And George decided to, to warm up, and the first thing he does is he hits his snare, pop, 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 pop. And instantly, I had a panic attack. I had to leave the theater, go out into the, the hallway, and I just sort of sat down, and I'm just sort of shaking, and I'm crying. And our associate pastor at the time, Chad, he, he comes out, and he's like, are you okay? No. No, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I need help. 
can't do this on my own. Now, I share that story with you this morning because I think the absolute worst thing a human being can say to God is, I'm okay, and there's nothing wrong with me. You see, from a spiritual standpoint, everything is wrong with us, and we need help. And that's why we're, we're here today. That's what we're celebrating today for Easter is that we're not okay, and that God did something about that. He did something to make the not okay, okay. And so I want to share with you a, a story that Jesus tells from, from Scripture about two guys. One thinks that he's okay, and the other thinks that he's not. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along today, go and turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 is where we're going to hang out. Here today, I do want to welcome all those of you that are watching online with us here this morning. You'll notice that right now in the upper right-hand corner of your screen, there's a, a button there. It's called Talk Notes, and if you'll just push that, that's going to take you to all the scriptures I'll be talking about here today, and there will be space there that you can make some notes as well. Welcome to those of you that are live here in the room with us as well. Happy Easter to you. If you go to our website, exponential.church, you're able to get all the Talk Notes there as well. What we're going to do, again, is we're going to look at this story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 18 about two men who go into the temple area to pray. And here's what we read in Luke 18.10. Jesus is telling this story, and he says, two men went to the temple to pray. One was what? One was a, one was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised, what's it say? A despised tax collector. Now, I've, I've shared a lot about these two groups of people in the past, but I want to cover it again because it's important to understand who it is that Jesus is talking about here. And so you have these, these two groups of people. You have the, the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were the religious elite of their day and time. The, the Pharisees were taking all 613 commands in the Jewish scriptures, what we would call the Old Testament. They're taking all 613 of them, and they're trying to follow them to the very best of their ability, and in many ways they were. And in fact, they were following things and doing things even above and beyond the 613. They were adding extra rules on to it. And they thought, man, look at us. I mean, we are doing so good. They sort of had their noses up in the air like, we are so spiritual. We're so righteous. We're so religious. Look at us. And the joke that I always use here for the people at Exponential, and guys, help me out as I say this, the Pharisees were very what? Fair, you see, right? That's how you can remember the Pharisees. They were very fair, you see. Look at me. I'm very fair, you see. And so Jesus says that's one of the guys that, that comes into the temple. He's going to pray, and he goes in, and he's very fair, you see. The, the second guy that goes in is this despised tax collector. Now, why was he despised? Well, the, the Roman Empire was ruling the land in the day and time of Jesus. And what the Romans would do is anytime they conquered a new land is they would go in and they would recruit some of the locals and they would say, look, if you want to get very, very filthy rich, you come and work for us. Because we need people to collect taxes on our behalf. And so here's what you do. You go and collect the amount that we need, and then anything above and beyond that, that's yours to keep. And by the way... You can make that number any number you want it to be. And if people don't like the number that you're charging, let us know. Just come and tell us. 
because we'll whip them, we'll beat them, we'll throw them in jail, we'll kill them. And so that's what happened here in, in the nation of Israel. Some of the Jewish people had gotten recruited to be tax collectors. And so they're ripping off their fellow Israelites. And so they are despised. In fact, there's a, a funny saying that we read throughout the Gospels. It'll say, the tax collectors and the sinners. You know, sinners like murderers and adulterers and people that are committing rape and, and stealing things. There, there was those people, but even the sinners are going, hey, don't lump us in with the tax collectors. I mean, those guys are bad. So when it came to the, the, the sort of hierarchy of people there in Israel, the tax collectors, they were about as low as you could get. You couldn't get much lower. And so they are despised. And Jesus says two groups of people are, you know, two, two people go into the, to the temple. One was a Pharisee. He wants to pray to God. The other is a despised tax collector. Jesus continues on in verses 11 to 12, and he says this. The Pharisee stood by himself, and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like the other people. Cheaters. Sinners. Adulterers. And I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. Now, the, the Pharisee, he's really not lying. From a, a moral standpoint, he was living so much better than a lot of other people. He was doing a lot of religious things. He was going to church. He was reading his Bible. He was praying. He was fasting. He was giving He's tithing. He's doing all those things. I mean, really it appears that there's not much wrong with this guy. And now Jesus turns his attention to this tax collector who's been stealing for many years in order to, to supplement his lavish lifestyle. But apparently this guy, he understands what he's doing. He understands that he's been ripping people off. He understands that he deserves hell for what he's doing. Because we read this in verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance, and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a what? For I am a sinner. Now notice this tax collector, he's, he's standing off at a distance. He, he doesn't even come to the front of the temple. He can't even look up to God. He knows that his life has been a disaster, and he's ashamed of his sin. And so he's beating his chest, and he says, God, oh, God, please have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. See, unlike the Pharisee, this tax collector is saying, everything is wrong about me. There is nothing that's right about me. And God, I need your help. And then Jesus puts an interesting little twist here on the story. Verse 14. He says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home, what? Returned home justified. I'll explain that in a little bit. Returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The Pharisee was proud. The Pharisee was looking down on people. The Pharisee was exalting himself. The tax collector, though, he was humble. And he was sorry for his sins. Now you're going, Gilbert, does that mean that have God forgive me of my sins? I just 
need to be like the most humble person that there is? Well, no. Because forgiveness isn't dependent on anything you can do. It's not dependent on, on your humility. Because if that was the case, that means that there is something you could do to be earning your own salvation. And I want you to think about that. How miserable of a life would that be if you knew that, okay, it's based on my humility whether I make it into heaven or not. Because you'd be constantly walking around going, am I being humble? Am I being humble? Am I being humble? Am I humble enough right now? Do I need to be more? And I mean, if that's what it was, it was all based off of your humility. What if you, like, you stood before God in judgment and he says, look, there was a thousand things you needed to do during your lifetime of being humble. You only did $9.99. Sorry, you're going to hell. You'd be like, oh, I wish I'd have known that. I wish I'd have known the number was a thousand. I would have done one more. I'd have made sure that I did that. And so that, that's not what it's all about. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. It's not good works that saves you. It's only God's grace and God's mercy that saves you. And so this tax collector is a picture of what Easter is really all about, and the Pharisee is a, a picture of what Easter is not all about. And so here's the, the question I want to ask you here on this Easter Sunday morning of 2023. Which person in the story are you? Are you like the Pharisee going, there's absolutely nothing wrong with me. I'm good to go, God. Or are you like the tax collector that you're going, God, everything is wrong about me. God, I am a sinner. Please have mercy on me. You know, none of us like to think of ourselves as being sinners, do we? Because, again, we, we think that, like that, that Pharisee did, that, you know, that the sinners are the murderers and the, the adulterers and, and people like this despised tax collector. But I'm not like that. I, I don't murder people. I don't steal things. I'm not committing adultery. I'm not a sinner. But look, there are sins of commission, those things that we do that we shouldn't do. And yes, there are big things, but guess what? There's little small things as well. Anything that you do that displeases God is a sin. I'll give you one that I hate. It's convicting to me. In the Word of God, we read about that we're to obey the laws of the land. You ever broken the speed limit? Hello? I put both hands up for that one. In fact, I just got a ticket the other week. It was the first one in like 20 years that I got a ticket. It was one of those like traffic cam type things. I was doing 36 and a 25, so I'm speeding. I deserve it, right? Except when you look at the picture that they took, literally you see the change of the speed limit to 35 right in front of my car. I mean, it's right there. You see it right there. It's like, come on, guys. Why would you put a camera right there? The question is, was I still breaking the law? Yeah, I was. And again, that's not just breaking the, the laws of America. 
That was breaking God's laws as well. That was a sin. And so there's, there's things that we do, big sins and little small sins, and then there's sins that we should be doing some things, but yet we don't always do it. Things like coming to church, reading our Bible, praying, truly loving our neighbor. Those are, are sins of what's called omission. So the, the other ones are sins of commission, things that you commit. These are things that you omit, things you should be doing, but you haven't been doing. And then the, the real bad ones are, are like what's happening inside, lust, pride, greed, envy, jealousy, rage. So we're all sinners. In fact, the Apostle Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, when he says, everyone has sinned. We do what? We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, in a weird way, that's actually pretty good news. Not that we're sinners, but that we're all sinners. We're all in the same boat. It's not like, you know, well, only some people are sinners and others aren't. No, we're all sinners. We all need God's help. Now, the bad news, of course, about sin is sin is what separates us from God. And I want you to listen to me and listen to me very, very carefully here. What God wants from you is not for you to become religious. God doesn't want you to follow a bunch of rules. God doesn't want you to follow a bunch of rituals. Again, it's not about rules. It's not about religion. It's not about rituals. You know what God wants from you? He simply wants a relationship. That's it. He wants a relationship with you. He just wants you. The problem with sin is sin is what separates us from God. It's what breaks that relationship with God. And ultimately what God wants isn't just a relationship with you right here and right now on this planet. He wants to spend eternity with you forever in heaven. But here's the thing about God. God is a perfect God. Heaven is a perfect place. And so if God allowed imperfect people like you and me into his perfect heaven, what would we make it? We would make it imperfect. So none of us, not you, not me, none of us deserve heaven. None of us deserve a relationship with this holy and righteous and just God. Because of sin. We're sinners. Every single one of us. All of us need to get to that place where we admit to God, I am not okay. I'm not okay, and I'm going to need some help. And see, that's the good news of what Easter is all about. That God made that help available to you. You're going, Gilbert, how did he do that? Well, Jesus, who is God in the flesh, that's what we celebrate at Christmas time, is that God became one of us. Jesus lived the perfect and sinless life that you could never, ever live, and then he died on the cross for the life you are living. And what kind of life are you living? A perfect life or a sinful life? A sinful life. You're not 
to be like the Pharisee saying, oh, I'm okay, nothing's wrong with me. No, you're to be like that, that, that tax collector going, God, everything's wrong with me. I am a sinner, and God, please have mercy on me. And so Jesus goes to the cross, and he sheds his blood because in Scripture over and over and over again, we see that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Something has to be sacrificed in order for sin to be forgiven. And Jesus said, instead of goats and lambs and bulls and pigeons, I'm going to come and be the perfect lamb that will take away the sin of the world forever. So again, Jesus lives the perfect and sinless life that you could never live. He dies on the cross for the life you are living. But the story doesn't end there. You see, Easter isn't really about the cross. Because thousands and thousands of people throughout the years have died on crosses. What Easter is about is that Jesus rose again from the dead. That Jesus had said over and over to his disciples, I am God. He had said to other people, I am God. He had told others, you can kill me, but I'm coming back to life again. That sounds like a deranged person. That sounds like an idiot, a, a crazy person. I'm God, and you can kill me, and I'm coming back. And Jesus said the reason he needed to do that was so that he could forgive sin once and for all and forgive it forever. Jesus. But then they kill him. They crucify him on the cross. And three days later, the tomb is empty. Jesus proves that he is who he said that he is. That he is God and he has the power not just to forgive sin, but to give you and me power in our own lives over sin. That we don't have to live in a state of sinfulness anymore. And that his blood will wash away all of our sin. That we're now forgiven. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 4, verse 25. He says, God gave Jesus to die for our sins, and he raised him to life so that we would be made what? We would be made acceptable to God. Now, in this particular translation, it's translated here as acceptable. Other translations, it says that we have been justified that we've been justified. And that's that same word that Jesus used about the tax collector earlier. You're going, well, what does justified even mean? Well, justified is this, like, theological term. And I was taught this many, many years ago, and I've always remembered it. It's sort of like the very fair you see. I've never forgotten that. Hopefully you never forget it. Well, there's a way to remember justification in the same way. Justification is just as if, though, I never sin. How does God see you? He sees you as justified. When you put your faith and hope and trust in what Jesus did for you on the cross and in the power of his resurrection, God says you are now justified. I see you just as if, though, you never sinned. 
Let, let's try that one, because you guys got the Pharisee one down, right? So what is justified? Justified is just as if though I never sinned. Try it again. Just as if though I never sinned. That's good news, isn't it? Isn't it? If God sees you just as if though you never sinned, what would that make you? It's not just justified that we're not doing circular reasoning here. <laughs> Who did I say makes it into heaven? Because God is a perfect God and heaven's a perfect place. Only, only perfect people. If you have never, ever sinned in your life, and that's how God sees you, you are now perfect, and you're now eligible for what? For heaven. You're now eligible. You're, you're justified in his eyes. Again, that is really, really good news. Now, does that mean you are perfect? No. So that's where another word comes in. It's called sanctification. So there's justification that happens at the very moment you pray and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and be the leader of your life because of the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection. You are justified instantly. The reality is, we still sin. We still break the speed limit. We still do all these things. And so what is the process then that God wants us to go through? That's called sanctification. And so God may see you here just as if though you never sinned, but you're still in reality down here. And so every single day you should be coming more and more and more and more like him, getting closer and closer to that line of perfection. Now, will you ever get there here on this planet? No. No. Every day, you try to become more like Jesus. But here's the point. If you are truly justified, and God sees you just as if though you never sinned, should you be walking around with feelings of guilt and shame, feelings of, of condemnation in your life? You should be walking in the power that you've been given, the, the, the power of the, the Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside of you. That's the power that you should be walking in. Man, that is good news. Paul says this in Romans 8.1. If you belong to Christ Jesus, in other words, if you've been justified, you've prayed for his forgiveness, you've prayed for his leadership, if you belong to Christ Jesus, you won't be punished. What assurance that is, that we don't have to walk around fearful of death, fearful of hell. We can walk around going, I know that I know that I know that I know that I have a relationship with Jesus, and because of what he did for me, not because of anything I can do, what he did for me, I'm justified. He sees me just as if, though, I never sinned, and I will go to heaven one day. His blood justifies you. You're seen as if though you never sinned. And so if he doesn't look at you with looks of condemnation, stop looking at yourself that way. Now again, if you got sin in your life, don't just go, well, Jesus is going to cover it all. His, his grace covers everything. Yes, it does, but that doesn't give you a license to sin. We are still to, anytime we have sin, we're to turn from that sin. That's what the, the biblical word repentance means. Repentance means you were going one way, 
You're going your way. You're going Satan's way. You're going the way that the world wants you to go. You were going that way, but repentance is just turning and now going God's way. And you're going to attempt to live according to his word. You guys hear me pray this all the time. It's a prayer I pray every single day of my life. God, I'll go wherever it is you want me to go. I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. I'll say whatever it is you want me to say. I'll give whatever it is you want me to give. I'll serve whoever it is you want me to serve. Life isn't about you anymore. When you repent of your sin, you start going Jesus' way. It's like, Jesus, wherever you go, I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow. It's not about me. And it is all about you. And so today has really been a reminder that, that sin is serious and it has terrible, terrible consequences. And that terrible consequence was a bloodied, tortured body hanging on a cross. But today is also the reminder that the story doesn't end at the cross. The story ends at an empty tomb. And even then, the story doesn't end there because his story now becomes a part of your story. That you have to make that decision of, am I going to be like the Pharisee and say, God, there is nothing wrong with me? Or am I going to be like that tax collector and say, God, everything is wrong with me and I need your forgiveness and I need your leadership in my life? And here's the cool thing about Jesus. He doesn't force himself on you. He's a perfect gentleman. He says, look, here's what I've done for you. Here's the offer I'm giving you. I'm giving you this offer to be seen just as if though you never sinned. But it's your choice whether you want to accept it or not. You see, it's sort of like this. If, if I said, here, I want you to have my phone and I hold it out to you, it's not until you actually take it that it becomes a gift. As long as I'm still holding it myself, you haven't received the gift that's been offered to you. And so Jesus says, here's the gift that I'm giving you. I'm giving you the gift of forgiveness. I'm giving you the gift to have the power over sin in your life. Here it is. I paid for it. Here it is. Now are you going to accept it? Are you going to receive it? yourself. You're going, how would I receive it? Very, very simple. You just pray and you ask him. You just say, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin? Would you come in and be the leader of my life? That's the power of the story that we're looking at today. And so, yes, humility does play a little bit into this. It's the humility to say, I'm not okay, and I need your help. 1 Corinthians 15, 17, Paul writes, If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you're still guilty of your sins. The fact of the matter, though, is this. He has been raised from the dead. You're going, Gilbert, I'm not sure. I mean, how do we know this isn't just some made-up fairy tale? Well, just earlier this year, I did a, I think it was seven-week series called Evidence. And that whole series was, can we, from evidence, from history, from writings and archaeological finds and other things, can we, from evidence, prove that Jesus really rose again from the dead and that what the gospel writers, who said that they were eyewitnesses of his resurrection, can we actually prove that what they were writing is real? 
Or is this like the, the telephone game that just as years went on that just the story got exaggerated? And so the whole series was about we don't put our faith into faith and faith alone. We can put our faith into facts that you can investigate for yourself. And so I took all these weeks to go through what are all these facts. And man, what a reassurance it was for us here at Exponential and for those that were watching online to go, wow, wow, there is so much history that backs up that Jesus' resurrection really did take place. And so today I'm, I'm asking you, put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus. I'll conclude with this in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, Paul writes, you will be saved. You, 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 you online, you will be saved if you honestly say Jesus is Lord and if you believe with all of your heart that God raised him from the dead. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for what you did for us over 2,000 years ago now, that you died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. You poured out your blood to wash away all of our sin. But Jesus, we know that that means nothing if you weren't truly resurrected. And so we thank you that there is so much evidence that proves that your resurrection is true. And Jesus said that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one, no one comes to the Father except through you. In other words, no one can make it to heaven except through your offer, Jesus. It's not through Buddha or Muhammad or Confucius or, or just figuring life out on our own. No, only through you. That's not us saying it. Those are your words. And so you're either the biggest liar and lunatic in all of human history, or you're truly who you said that you were, the Savior of all mankind, the Lord of our lives, the one that forgives our sins, the one that leads us not just here and now, but for all of eternity. And so, Jesus, each and every person here today has to make that decision. Am I okay or not? And Lord, I, I pray that this message has helped all of us to see that we're not okay. We're all sinners. But yet you did something about it. You paid the ultimate price so that we could be justified so that we could be seen as if though, just as if though we never sinned. So that we can now have a relationship with you, Jesus, which gives us entrance into heaven and the power over sin right here and right now. Jesus, again, thank you for that. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed here this morning, if you're going, you know what, Gord, I've, I've never actually prayed that prayer, that I've never received that gift that Jesus is offering. And I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that God sees me just as if though I never sinned. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I were to die today, that I would spend eternity with him in heaven. If that's true of you, again, every head bowed, every eye closed, just slip your hand up nice and high so I can see it. And I'll acknowledge it, and then you can put it right back down. For those of you that are online, there's a button popping up in the chat right now. You can just push that. Yes, ma'am, down here. Thank you. I see that hand. Uh, for those of you online, just push the button there in the chat, and that's going to let us know that you've raised your hand. Anybody else here today? One person so far. Anybody else today? Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be Yes, sir, down here. Uh, I see that. Anybody else? Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Be the leader of my life. I'm tired of doing life on my own, trying to figure it out on my own. I am not okay. I need you. Anyone else? 
Anyone else? God's Spirit is working in this place. God's Spirit is working as you're watching there online. If your heart is beating really fast right now, that's the Spirit of God that's speaking to you going, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Again, the only person that's going to see your hand is, is me. And most importantly, God's going to see that hand as well. Anybody else here today? Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be the leader of my life. Show me the way that you would have for me to go. Anyone else? Real quickly, quickly, quickly. Anybody else? All right, I'm going to ask everybody to pray this. Those of you online, pray it right there in your living room or wherever you're watching. Pray this with me out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to the earth, living a perfect and sinless life, dying on the cross so my sins may be forgiven. Thank you that you rose again from the dead to prove that you're God, to prove that you have the power over sin, to prove that you have the power over death, to prove that you have the way for me to enter into heaven. Jesus, thank you that you justify me, that you see me just as if though I never sinned. Now that you see me that way, help me to walk in that reality, to become sanctified, to every day become more and more like Jesus. Not through my power, but through the spirit that lives in me, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So help me to go wherever it is you want me to go. Do whatever it is you want me to do. Say whatever it is you want me to say. Give whatever it is you want me to give. Serve whoever it is you want me to serve. Because life is not about me any longer. It's all about you. And I vow from this day forward, to live my life for your honor, for your glory, all the days of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's give those that made a decision here this morning a, a big round of applause. Congratulations to you. Congratulations to those of you online that made that decision as well. We want to celebrate with you. You know, one of the things I always talk about is that when Lisa and I got married, all the way back in 1995, when she slipped that ring onto my finger and we said, I do, I do doesn't mean I'm done. That was just a, a symbol then to others that we had made a decision to live the rest of our lives together. And anytime you pray and you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to come in and be the leader of your life, basically that's what you're doing is you're saying, Jesus, I want to be in this relationship with you. And so I do doesn't mean I'm done. Again, that's what sanctification is all about. How do we become more and more like Jesus? And so this offer stands for everybody, but especially those that made a decision here for the first time. We have a document that we've put together. It's a 16, 18-page PDF. It's a booklet. We put this together when we launched Exponential back in 2010. But it basically walks you through the decision that you made here today. 
It reminds you of what justification is all about. It reminds you then of here's how you pray. Here's how you read the Bible. Here's why church is important. Here's why I give it. It just walks you through all the different things of what it means now to be a follower of Jesus. So again, this offer stands for everybody. But if you go to our website, exponential.church, you can uh, sign up there on the connection card for that. Again, for those of you right there in the uh, chat, you can access that as well. Uh, but man, it, it's just, it's so amazing. July 27, 93, that was the day that I understood for the first time that it, I wasn't okay, that I needed Jesus to forgive me of my sins. So I'm coming up on 30 years. This July will be 30 years since I made the decision. And I got to tell you, it is the absolute best decision I ever made in life. Because I tried doing it for the first 20 years my way. I live for the devil, and I live for the devil good, right? <laughs> I mean, I've talked about this before, that, you know, sin is fun, and if it isn't, then you aren't doing it the right way. <laughs> and so I, I did all that for 20 years, but I can tell you now the last 30 years have been so much better. When you walk in the freedom that Jesus gives you, freedom from sin, oh my goodness. And what he's allowed me to do for him all around the world, me? <laughs> A sinner? Just little old Gilbert? And he said, man, there's a guy whose heart is fully sold out to me. And I'm going to bless him. And God has blessed us so tremendously in so many ways. That's what God wants to do in your life as you walk, just as if, though, you never sinned. So, again, let's give those who made the decision this morning. Very big hand. Congratulations to you all.